Back in 1997, my nephew was turning one, and we were so excited that day. See, you meet his first cake and put his hands in and put it all over his face. Cute moment. There that day at the party, I met somebody uh, who I consider was famous, and I was kind of awestruck to, to meet this gentleman. His name was Max Cleland, and he was a U.S. senator at the time. And Max came up in a wheelchair. Max, in the Vietnam War, uh, picked up a grenade, which he thought was his, that had fallen off uh, of his jacket. And when he picked it up, he realized it was not. It was too late. And he is a triple, triple amputee now uh, because of that. So he came in his wheelchair, but this jovial man, just amazing uh, personality and kindness, and he's actually a good family friend of ours, and so a family member introduced me, and I remember being so excited to meet him, and he said this, he said, if you ever need me, all you have to do is call, and I remember that, I thought, okay, all right, I'll remember, if I ever need you, Max, I will give you a call, but it just so happened, the next year, I was entering into my senior year of high school. And I was in English class, and the teacher gave us an assignment. She said, I want you to interview someone, and then I want you to report on it, and then you're going to give this report before the class, and this is a big part of your grade. And I thought, okay, now I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? And uh, let's just say I was nowhere near the head of the class, okay? Couldn't even see it with a telescope. And so um, there in the class, she makes this announcement, and so I'm thinking pretty quick, how can I... uh, take advantage of this opportunity. So I raised my hand and I said, uh, what if we were to interview somebody famous? And she said, who do you know that's famous? And I said, well, let's just say maybe I could get a hold of a U.S. senator. What do you think? And she said, Brian, if you could get a hold of a U.S. senator and do a report, not only would I give you 100, I will give you extra credit. And I said, that's exactly what I need. I said, well done. I'll do it. So most reports, you know, you kind of, I would wait till the last minute. I was really bad about procrastination. But on this report, no, I went home that day and I dialed up Washington and, and I like saying that, I dialed up Washington. Yeah, I did. And uh, I said, hey, I'd like to speak with Max Cleland, please. And they said, well, he's not available. And I'm going, man. And uh, but I said, well, let me leave a message. And so I left him a message. And sure enough, later that night, he called me. He said, Brian, what can I do for you? And I said, well, Max, you said I could call you if I ever needed you. And I said, I would like to do uh, a report on you, an interview. Would you give me an interview tonight? And he said, absolutely. And so for the next hour, he was so gracious just to fill me in on all that he did as a U.S. senator. And then I jotted down those notes, and I formed a great report, and I brought it to the teacher early, okay, before the assignment was even due. And I brought it, I said, here's my report. And she said, who is it on? I said, Max Cleland, U.S. Senator. And she said, how do you know Max? And I said, let's just say I have some family ties, all right? And she gave me 100, and she gave me extra credit. And so it was all worth it. Well, I want to use that today as kind of an illustration because with the Holy Spirit, we sing about the Holy Spirit, His work, We kind of treat him as the silent partner of the Trinity. How does the Holy Spirit really work? But the Holy Spirit is really close to us as we follow Christ. And the only way that this is made possible is because we have family ties with Jesus. And so when we look to the new covenant, and we see what Christ has done for us, here we come into the family of God through Jesus. It's Jesus that's introducing us to God the Father. He's saying, this is one that I have redeemed by my precious blood on the cross. But it's not just God and 
or God the Father and God the Son, it's also God the Holy Spirit. And so where is the Holy Spirit? Well, for the believer, the Holy Spirit resides within us. That's when I gave that shocking statement a couple of weeks ago when I said, you know, we, we call this God's house, but really God's Spirit dwells in us not just like in this building, like if this is a magical place where you come only where the Holy Spirit exists. No, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. But the question is, are you aware of his presence? Are you aware of his presence in your life? And are you quick to go to him, to ask him for the work to be done in you? So I want you to hold on to that thought, that question, as we look into this passage. Here we are in Hebrews chapter 10. In the first 18 verses, this is what I'm going to do for us this morning. I'm going to summarize these 18 verses, and then we're going to pick out two that we're going to use today, um, basically saying, okay, what are we getting at here in this letter? So verses 1 through 9, we see that the law is powerless to cleanse us of our sins. The old law cannot cleanse us of our sins. It did not possess any cleansing power whatsoever. There would be no need for Yom Kippur if this were the case, the Day of Atonement to be recognized yearly. There would be no need if if there were salvation in this old covenant. But as it stood, the blood of bulls and goats lacked the effectual healing that was necessary for salvation. So, Jesus comes in bodily form. He comes to establish the new covenant because God did not desire any more burnt offerings or sin offerings. He sent His Son, Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And the first order was done away with in order to establish the second order, showing that there is a better sacrifice with the second order. That's what we see in verses 1 through 9. And then in verse 10, we see that by the will of the Father, we as followers of Christ have been sanctified. By one time, better sacrifice. Hear this. You have been sanctified by the sacrifice that is already taking place. Then verses 11 and 12, the other priests that still existed in first century, they continue to serve day after day in the temple. The other priests continue to stand daily offering sacrifices. One piece of furniture that you did not see in the temple was a chair. There was never a time when they could sit down on the job because the job was never completed in the old covenant. They always had to keep offering sacrifices for the relationship between man and God. It was the same old powerless sacrifices. Once again, God no longer desired. But then we see also, then in verse 12, that Christ is seated. Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God because he offered himself only once, being the greater sacrifice, meaning it is complete. So what he did was all we needed right there at the cross. And then in verse 13, we see that Jesus is waiting for the Father's command. That's right, Jesus is waiting to when the Father says, okay, now is the time. And at that time, all his enemies will be made his footstool. So when you see the evil and the immorality and the destruction and the brokenness all around us, all of that will be made his footstool at the Father's command. And then in verse 14, once again, we see that a single offering has perfected for all time those who are being saved. Now, here's what's interesting. Today, if you have a King James Version, or if you have a New American Standard Version, it will say those who are saved. If you have an English Standard Version, or if you have the uh, NIV, 
If you have the New King James Version, it will say those who are being saved. Seems like a big difference, those who are saved or those who are being saved. So then it begins the debate. Is our sanctification just a one-time thing or is it progressive? I'm going to say, based on Scripture and its totality, I believe that sanctification is a one-time thing and it is also progressive. It is both and. And I want to be very clear to explain that today. So as we are not to walk away from here thinking that it's our works that sanctifies us. No, that's not what we're saying. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But we have been sanctified, meaning set apart from sin. So if you're going, what is a sanctified? What is sanctification? Explain it to me. It's that you at one time were under the bondage of sin. It's your master. So we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Satan had his grip on your mind. All you knew was evil. All you knew was sin. You didn't know any good, anything you could do that could bring glory to God. It was impossible. And then you were set free from the grace by the grace of God. And with this, you are sanctified, meaning that that which used to have its grip on you has been let loose and no longer has a grip on you. You are set apart from the bondage of sin. And then this sanctification is something that can be ongoing, progressive, meaning you are distancing yourself from sin as you continue to grow in Christ. So we see verse 14 and then verses 15 through 18. We see that the Holy Spirit bears witness. This is really what we're going to hone in today. The Holy Spirit bears witness to all of this that has happened because we need a witness to testify to say these things are true. And he testifies of the new will, the new covenant. Verses 15 through 18. Read with me again. Hebrews 10, 15 through 18. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Verse 18, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So the Holy Spirit plays an integral part of God's Word going forth. We see that all Old Testament Scripture, New Testament Scripture that we have is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit is working in this. 2 Peter 1, 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what we read on these pages... It's not that man said, I have a good idea. God's working. I think I'm going to jot down, have a little journal here. And later they said, oh, that sounds good. Let's put that together. No. It was that the Holy Spirit was working through man to write. So what you have on these pages is what we see is God breathed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here we have it before us. God is working. The Holy Spirit is very much a part of his word going forth. And the Holy Spirit was there when the compact was made. We see when we look in Ephesians chapter 1 and many other places in the Bible that the cross wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a plan B. It wasn't God going, oh no, what are we going to do now? Oh, I have an idea. Let's have a cross. And Jesus, you're going to go and I'm going to put you on that cross. No, this was the plan from the very beginning before he ever said, let there be light. And that may kind of boggle your mind and how all of this works in the time frame of eternity. But God had this plan 
before he ever created us, that he would send his son. And who is there as they're making this compact? Is he saying, one day I will send you to redeem man? The Holy Spirit was there. And he bears witness of this will, this new will. So there he is a witness. There he is involved in the word going forth. And he is very much a part of our sanctification. So a covenant has been made. And this is what the covenant does, the new covenant. You ready? Here's what happens. In the new covenant, God puts his law on our hearts and he writes them on our minds. That's what God does. He takes his truth and he puts it into our hearts and into our minds. What is this? This is grace. This is grace. You weren't doing anything in the meantime in order for God to do this great work in your life. And he establishes through the Holy Spirit coming inside of you. Where now, his truth resides within you. Why did he have to do this? Because man didn't get it in and of himself. And there wasn't something inside of him that could produce salvation. And so God would say, it's not enough to have the word written externally where you can read it because it's not getting there internally to change you. I will work from the inside out. I will put my Holy Spirit within you. Right on your hearts, right on your minds. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, this is familiar to you. And then, as well, we see that he will remember sin and our lawless deeds no more. No more will he remember our sins or our lawless deeds. So if him writing his word on our hearts and our minds is grace, then him remembering our sin and our lawless deeds no more, that's mercy. That's mercy. So when you hear mercy, you think God has chosen to forget. All this is possible because of his forgiveness. There's no more offerings to give. Because where there is forgiveness, there's no more need for an offering. We rely on the one-time offering of Jesus Christ, which brings forgiveness. You know, personally, we try to forgive, don't we? We work real hard to forgive people. And sometimes we do a really good job of it. We're able to take something that's been done against us and how we've been offended, and we're saying, you know what, I forgive you of that. Let's move on. Okay, let's not keep bringing it up. Let's leave it behind. Let's move forward together. Maybe this has been in a relationship, in a marriage, in a friendship, or maybe somebody that you don't even consider a friend. That they, they've, they've hurt you so much, you've forgiven them, but it has caused the distance between you guys. And so all of us are striving to forgive, I hope, as, as followers of Christ, because we should be reminded of the full forgiveness that's been shown towards us. But then this happens. You may forgive someone and forget. You may have put it behind you, you're moving forward, and all of a sudden that person comes back and does the same thing once again. This is what you say. Again? Again you've done this? I mean, I put all those things behind, but you know what? You're bringing it all back up by doing it again. And you know what? In a sense, we're right. I mean, here we've, we've shown forgiveness again and again. Now we feel like we're being taken advantage of. How can I keep forgiving this person if they keep repeating this cycle? This is not the forgiveness that we're talking about here in the Bible. When we look at the forgiveness here in God's Word... It's that he fully forgives us. And this is what we see. It's not that 
God just turns his head and says, you know what, don't, don't let me see you do it, okay? Let's wink, wink. Let's act like it's not happening. I'm going to look this way, and you keep doing bad things, you little Christian, okay? You'll learn. I'm okay with it. I'm just going to turn my head. No, that's not what happens, all right? And it's not that God just says, you know what, it's okay, I don't mind. I mean, I've I've forgiven you. I don't don't care if you do, you can do whatever you want to. I mean, you're a Christian now. I mean, you could sit in church and play on Facebook the whole time. I don't care. Just got a couple of you, all right? And so, it's like God saying, I I don't care what you do. I've, I've saved you. Do whatever you want to do. No, that's not what's being communicated either. So what is being communicated? Because we know that if we continue to disobey, there is discipline. And that's coming in Hebrews 12, verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Why, God? Why why would you discipline me? Because I love you. And he chastises every son whom he receives. It was the hardest thing for our little year-and-a-half-old boy, when I said, stop, stop, Paxton, stop. And he turns around, and he looks, and he grins, and he keeps running out into the parking lot. And I don't know if you've noticed, sometimes it's like a raceway through here in the parking lot. And so you never know. That little one runs out there. And... You say, stop. And at that point, he grins. He keeps running away. And then finally, you go to get him. And I had to do this for one of the first times. I had to give the old slap on the hand, you know. And I got him pretty good. And all of a sudden, cute little baby who isn't used to discipline, all of a sudden is being disciplined. His tears well up. Why did I do that? Did I want to be a jerk that day? Did I want to show everybody else that I'm in charge? When I say stop, you stop. No, because I love him, and I care for his safety, I care for his life. And so God doesn't forgive you just so you go live however you want to, you know, because he loves you. He has redeemed you. He's going to discipline you. You continue just to say, you know what, I'm going to live however I want to. Thank you for the grace. I'm just going to keep living how I want to. Oh, if you're truly his, we do face discipline. So I want you to be clearly aware of that, all of us together. We have been sanctified. And we are continuing in this sanctification. So it's been done. It's continuing to be done. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, well-known pastor, used to ask people, he'd say, are you a Christian? So many times people would say, well, I'm trying. Then he'd say, in other words, you have no idea what a Christian is. Because if you respond with saying, well, I'm trying, you don't get it. It's not you trying to be a Christian. It's already been done. All the work has been done. You're living it out. Maybe you've said that. I'm trying. We heard that just recently. People, I'm trying to be, I'm doing my, doing my best. We rely on his best. So what is a Christian? A Christian is a member of the redeemed body of Christ, made new through the cleansing power of the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ, meaning cleansed, fully forgiven fully forgiven for all that we have done. Do you know that, Christian? That you've been fully forgiven 
Nothing left uncovered. So here are our key verses today. Verses 10 and 14. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So just as you see the timeline going through Hebrews, from Hebrews 8 and then Hebrews 10 here, we've been in the last few weeks, this is what we looked at. The new covenant, number one, makes us new like never before. That's what we've seen already. Number two, the new covenant purifies our conscience. All that guilt we carry, clean. Number three, it establishes our confidence as Christ's followers, as we saw last week. We can walk in confidence because of what he has established for us. And then number four, this all leads to what we're talking about today. Number four, the new covenant sanctifies the Christ follower, making us instruments of righteousness. Instruments of righteousness. So have we been sanctified just for heaven? So we can enter into the gates, and that's all we're looking forward to? No, not just for that. No, we have been sanctified for growth in Christ. For growth in Christ. Our related passage today, we're going to have a passage that we're going to put side by side here, Romans 6, 11 through 14. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not... Present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So we're going to break this down in three points today, and then we're going to go forth from this place, and we're going to continue in sanctification as followers of Christ. Number one, sanctification begins at regeneration. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, bringing an inward change. Taking our hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. This happens inwardly. The Holy Spirit comes within us. This is when sanctification begins for us. Although we are sanctified and we see it at the cross, for us as followers of Jesus, it begins at repentance. I want to make that very clear. It begins at repentance. Just because God did a sanctifying work on the cross doesn't mean that everybody is sanctified. No. It's for those who repent, those who follow. So it begins at regeneration. This is when we are born again. An immediate change begins to happen within us. We were once dead, and now we are alive. We were dead in sin, now alive to God in Christ Jesus. Relate to Titus chapter 3, 3 through 6. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days. This is how they spent their days. This is how we spent our days. Listen, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Do you see the distinct difference there? Hated by others and hating one another, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is this washing and renewal which leads us to say, you are God. You are God. You are Lord. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe. That's what happens at regeneration. A renewal within us. A change from when we were enemies of Christ to now followers of Christ. This is the turning point for us as we begin to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit in us. Which means that we can overcome the patterns of our sinful behavior. I want to address this today because after many conversations with with folks here in our church, this is what I've come to hear often. Man, I really wish that I knew more. I really wish that I could speak like that. I really wish that I could share my testimony like that. I really wish that I knew Scripture more. And you said, I wish I knew this more. And there's this defeated look on your face as if you're communicating, I can never be like that. Now, that's putting confidence in your flesh and not in the Spirit. And you're right. If you put it in the flesh, you won't grow. There's also situations where you say, I, I struggle with sin. Like, it's ugly. Like, it's repetitive. And I, I want to be done with it. And like, I hate it. But then, all of a sudden, I find myself doing it again. And I don't know why. But I just do it. When will I ever be finished with this sin? Don't give up. Don't give up. Because the work of sanctification is that you have been set free from its power. But as you continue to grow in Christ, you distance yourself from that allurement of sin which once held you captive. And for those who feel like you can't grow, like you can't know the Bible, that you can't share the gospel when we talk about the 12 and going and reaching the 12 in our community, sharing Jesus, and you go, that's not me, I'm not one of those, like, no, don't, don't say that. That, that. that may be not you, but that is the Holy Spirit in you that can do it. You see it? Sanctification. This growth, you can be that person. Don't give up. Church, don't give up. Keep growing. May we keep growing. May we keep pursuing. Looking to Christ. So that, number two, let me get that right, two, sanctification continues as we grow in Christ. You have been sanctified, you have been like set apart, but as a continuing process known as progressive sanctification, as you present yourself to God as instruments of righteousness, for restoration and growth, not destruction and decline. Romans 6.19, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So see the difference here in this passage. Look with me, Romans 6.19, here it is. Your lawlessness led to more lawlessness. Your bad works led to more bad works and more bad works. Do you know where that was headed? Death. Teenagers, you have a culture that doesn't love Jesus. You see a lot of love for Jesus out there in the culture? No, you don't. You know what you're being tempted to do? To go as far away from God as possible. 
And that's natural if you don't have Christ. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you at a young age, you can be set apart more and more from its power. You can have confidence that you can grow so that what you're doing is you're growing more in Christ. Instead of growing further and further away from Him into death, things leading to death, we're growing more in Christ. Complete opposite direction. That's repentance. That is repentance, church. And that's not just for them, that's for all of us. 2 Corinthians 3, 16-18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Do you see that? When you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed, the veil that kept you from seeing Him. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord in you today. If He is, there is freedom. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So all who are a part of the church are being changed into the same image. Not that I say, man, you know what? I really, I really want to look like Will, because Will looks good. I like Will's life. I like what Will does. I just want to be like Will. And we do that as Christians. We say, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to be like that person. I don't want to be like that person. But I do want to be like that person. But we are to look like Christ. And as we're all growing in this sanctification, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being ever aware of His presence within us, we begin to look more and more alike. Not that we all dress alike. I love that, you know, when you see those pictures of, of people who say that, they don't want to be like nobody else, but then they dress all the same, right? Wear the same shoes, shorts, hairstyle, everything. It's not what we're talking about. It's not that we all physically look the same. That would be boring, by the way. I mean, we not all physically look the same. I, I love that we don't all physically look the same. But that we look the same with the attributes of Christ. And we encourage one another in that. And there's no competition in growth, but there's edification in our growth. Come on, let's, let's grow together. Come on, let's do this. Let's continue growing. Maybe you're at a point in life where you feel like you can stop growing where you've learned enough. You're buying into a lie. You know that. You really think you can learn all you need to know here on this earth in the time that you have? No. We're ever growing. Christians, are you aware of the transforming power within you? Old life versus the new life. I know I'm relating to a lot of Scripture, which is a great thing. Here, Romans 3, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Interesting that Paul uses fruit here when he's relating to the Romans and the Jews and how we all come from the first Adam and the fruit that they chose to eat which brought forth death. He's saying you're all eating that fruit. As sinners, we eat this fruit which produces death. The decisions that you make leading to death, the things you desire, the things you seek to 
um, gain, leading to, to death. But in Christ, this fruit is leading to life. We should be alive, church, a light living in this community because of the fruit in which we consume day in and day out through the power of the Holy Spirit, His work in us. John Murray once said this. He says, indeed, the more sanctified the person is, the more conformed he is to the image of his Savior. The more he must recoil against every lack of conformity to the holiness of God. The deeper his apprehension of the majesty of God, the greater the intensity of his love to God. The more persistent his yearning for the attainment of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the more conscious he will be of the gravity of the sin that remains, and the more poignant will be his detestation of it. Was this not the effect in all the people of God as they came into closer proximity to the revelation of God's holiness? I heard somebody just say yesterday, the closer that they grow in Christ, or this is actually Friday night, the closer they grow in Christ, the more aware they are of the gravity of sin in their life. Just how gross that sin is. And how much more they need to grow. And that's made possible. It is possible. Because of the new covenant, which has been established the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we will continue in this sanctification until death or until Christ returns. Number three, sanctification is complete at our death or when Christ returns. Meaning this, that we will not grow more in holiness after we are gone from this earth. Think about that for a second. Write it down. Ponder it. Do you agree? Meaning we will not grow more in holiness after you're gone from this earth. So we continue in this sanctification while we're here. But when we die, and then we await Christ's return, so if we die before Christ comes back, then when Christ comes back, we as the dead in Christ will rise first. If we're here, we will be caught up with Christ as he comes for his bride And then shortly after that, we receive a glorified body. A body that cannot sin. And a body that cannot be in the presence of sin. So our growth in sanctification stops because we will not be able to be more holy than what we are in eternity. We will be without sin. But right here on this earth, we still have sin. We still sin. But understand this, that you are not under the law but under grace, meaning that sin will have no dominion over you. The dominion of sin has been defeated, but the presence of sin still remains. So the presence of sin is still all around us. Understand that. You can't just live in this island all to yourself where there's no sin or hide yourself away from the world so you won't sin and grow this pious behavior, that's, that's not the idea. No, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. This world has no dominion over you. Sin has no power over you unless you subject yourself to its power. And that's the struggle. 
So why is that important as we close today? Because as you go through this week, you will battle. It is a war for holiness. It is a war. Let's not kid ourselves. It is a war. But every time you're tempted, understand that you have power over that temptation through Christ. Every time. Every time. You can't be like Eve, where she says, that that crafty serpent gets me every time. No. But I ate. You go back to eating that fruit, which leads to death. No, no, no. We eat a fruit that leads to life. I want you to walk away encouraged today, church, and challenged that you can have growth in Christ. And there will come a time when we leave this earth and we will struggle with sin no more. It helps to begin with the end in mind. Power of sin has been put to death. Ultimately, the presence of sin will be destroyed at judgment. Has there been any sin, Christian, that you've entertained that's been worth it? That's been worth it. For those of you in this room that aren't followers of Christ and you're living in sin because you're a sinner, do you have joy? Do you have hope? Do you have confidence? Maybe what you just heard, this gospel message of growth, God working in us. That's not happening in you right now. You say, I want that. I want God's presence to live inside of me. I want him to control my life. I want him to lead me. That I can grow in righteousness. That I can please the Father. I want salvation. If you believe this message, call out to him. I believe this. I'm a sinner. Christ paid for me. I believe it. Save me, Lord. Call out to Him now. I'm not going to give you a magic formula of prayer. It's a good confession. If you believe that, make the good confession to the Lord. Tell Him. Christian, do you have this confidence in the work of the Holy Spirit in you that this week, this week, you will grow in Christ? Whenever you're faced with the struggles and these old temptations come back, you will call them out for what they are, and you will say, no, I will not entertain this. That has been put to death. I have been made alive in Christ. Because of the new covenant, sanctification has been made available. Are you trusting in this new covenant? Are you trusting in Christ fully? Let us pray. Father, thank you that we have been sanctified as a church. We know there is a need for continual growth. Our prayers for those in this room that have been very discouraged thinking that They just don't have the right personality or enough intelligence or enough drive to continue in holiness, Lord, that that would have been shattered today.
as they place their full confidence in the work of the Holy Spirit within them. Greater are you who is in us than he who is in the world. And I pray we go this week in this confidence. Pray. We as a church would not give up so easily in this fight for holiness. We would ever be mindful of your presence. May we go in victory. Thank you that one day the fight will be over. There we will be with you. Holy. Without sin. Because of this new covenant which you established by your grace and mercy. We thank you for Jesus. We love you. Amen. As we stand, you see pastors standing in the front. I will be in the back and other staff members. Can I just say, while we're up here, we make ourselves available so that this is heavy on your heart. We can go ahead and talk with you now. Don't let time pass. Come talk to us. Let's stand to worship. You move as God so leads.